So I lost, I lost close to 30% of my net worth. Wow. And I paid one and a half percent for the privilege. Uh, and worst of all, I was being told by my financial advisor that it was actually quite good because <laughs> we'd beat the index. We'd beaten the index in many of the investments. You don't have to learn to trade alone. Welcome to the Trading Lifestyle Podcast, where we interview professional currency traders and industry experts who can help you improve your trading and your life. And now, your host, Hugh Kimura. Hello, traders, and welcome to another episode of the Trading Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by TradingHeroes.com. In this episode, I was lucky enough to sit down with Peter Davies of JigsawTrading.com. He's not a forex trader, but as you know, good trading is good trading. And you can learn a lot of things from a good trader, even if they don't trade the same market as you do. As you heard from the introduction, he lost 30% of his net worth in one year. And unfortunately, that happens more often than you think. But unlike most people, Peter went searching for answers. And he shares how he became a professional trader in this episode. If you want the entire show notes for this episode, go to tradingheroes.com forward slash podcast. And to get all the episodes, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. All right, on to the interview. Before we get started, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment, trading, or financial advice of any kind. But in this episode, you might get some advice on how to avoid angry elephants. As you know, Forex or any type of trading is very risky and you could lose all of your money. Seriously. And finally, past performance does not indicate future results. All right, now on to the show. Hi, Peter. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. You're glad to do it. Uh, the first question I wanted to ask you was, uh, what did you what did you study in school? Um, it was business and IT, but it was mostly um, an IT focused course. So I was kind of a, a nerd, basically. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I I like to ask that question because um, I just want to prove the point that you don't necessarily have to major in business or economics to uh, be a successful trader. Absolutely, yeah. So from there, where did you go? How did you first get interested in trading? Well, you know, I had a long career in IT and managing uh, software companies, mm -hmm. um, and I had no clue whatsoever about investing. And uh, I got into trading not long after the dot-com bubble burst. It was around 2002, mm -hmm. and it was basically when I realized I was paying people to lose money for me. <laughs> so I lost, I lost close to 30% of my net worth, wow. and I paid 1.5% for the privilege. And worst of all, I was being told by my financial advisor that it was actually quite good because <laughs> we'd, beat we'd beaten the index in many of the investments. Mm -hmm. So basically what I did, I cashed in all of the investments and funds that financial advisors recommended. And I basically figured if I'm going to lose my retirement fund, it would actually be cheaper to do it myself. Mm -hmm. So that was really the start. Uh, I see. Okay, great. So did you get started in stocks or did you go straight to futures? How did you do it? Well... It was interesting because initially when I started, I mean, if you look at when I started, it was after the dot-com bubble burst. Mm -hmm. There was no struggle at all. So I, I cashed in my pension. I started investing the money myself, mostly in long-term investments, fairly safe companies, but also in dividend-paying sector ETFs. Mm -hmm. I was running my, a company myself at the time, so I could read a balance sheet. I could read a cash flow statement, P&L statement. You know, I could see where there's something I missed. Like, you know, for example, when you know profits are steady but cash is going down, mm -hmm. you know, where you can see they're kind of moving stuff around a bit, mm -hmm. and, and that was good, you know. But I, I just ended up in you know, after a for a couple of years feeling the whole thing was a bit hit and miss. Uh -huh. I had an I had an epiphany when I bought uh, some shares in an airline, 
Now, I'd actually cashed out these shares at a really good profit. <laughs> but shortly afterwards, the airline management decided they'd change their business model. So they were basically a feeder airline for United, mm-hmm. and they decided to go it alone. And basically, they just went downhill. I mean, they just went downhill, eventually went out of business. So the profit I took was pure luck, absolutely luck that I got out at the time. But it was this misplaced idea the CEO had. There's something that would have been absolutely beyond my control if I'd stayed invested. And that was just a big wake-up call for me because I was basically still at other people's mercy. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I decide, okay, this is investing. I need to look, you know, I, I need to look at trading as opposed to investing. So I wanted to try and cut look out of the equation as much as possible. And I wanted to try and cut other people's bad choice out of the equation. So CEOs, financial advisors, regulators, and basically shorten my trading horizon and, and try and find some further reasons to enter positions. Mm-hmm. So that's really where I started. Then from there, I got into trading and that was just, that was a nightmare. It was like entering a maze. Mm-hmm. There were so many different methods. There was so much misinformation and conflicting information. It was like impossible to know who was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the real struggle I had. So, you know, I went down this path. The real struggle I had was basically my experience and my IT skills because I tried to lean on that to help me as a trader. So I tried to go and automate trading. So I was still doing the long term investing. But I kind of got this addiction to automated trading. And I wasted about three years learning absolutely nothing about what trading was. Mm-hmm. And I did some soul searching one day. And it struck me that effectively what I was trying to do, I was trying to automate something I didn't actually know how to do. And at that point, I, you know, at that point, I just basically said, okay, I'm going to go the opposite way. I then became a 100% discretionary trader. So I basically pushed myself in the opposite direction. And my intent was always to circle back to automation once I had built these discretionary skills. But once I built the discretionary skills, the, the whole automation thing no, no longer seemed appropriate. Mm, I see. Very cool. Um, so how, do, how long did it take you once you went over to discretionary trading to become consistently profitable? Okay, well, you know, the investing side, you know, you could probably look at, a, you know, a long-term chart of the S&P and tell which years I was profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was great up to 2008. The discretionary trading took about nine months um, after ditching the automation to start turning a small profit. And I still had bad habits, but I was basically over the hump within about nine months. And that's after, that's after three years of literally learning nothing. Uh-huh. Wow, that's awesome. Nine months. Okay. Um, you talk about bad habits. What are some of the bad habits that you had? Um, bad habits, basically, um, just mostly jumping in when it wasn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was the first one, um, and and the usual not closing trades. Um, you know, letting trades, letting old trades get to me was you know a little bit of an issue. But mostly it was just jumping in, getting a bit excited. Oh, I can see something. And then kind of jumping on it and, you know, it, I was really seeing nothing, you know. So, so I've been in a, a really poor short trade when the long trade of the day came up. That was kind of all <laughs> painful. Uh, I see. Okay. Uh, was there ever a point where you wanted to give up? Well, it's interesting because if you think of what I did, um, I didn't really have a choice because I'd basically cashed in my, my pension. Ah, okay. Um you know, I'm an expatriate, so I don't have the benefit of being able to invest in traditional pensions. Mm-hmm. So, 
from an investing point of view, I could never go back to trusting financial advisors. Um, and, and when I gave up the automation approach for trading, I basically get said, okay, let's let's see where you are in 12 months. Now, I know there's traders out there that, like me, probably testing one thing after another after another, and they're, and they're trying to solve trading as if it's a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So in that phase, you're look, kind of looking for a needle in a haystack. You're, you're looking for a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up testing a lot of things that fail, and in the process, you aren't kind of making gradual steps and improvements. But with the discretionary trading, you could actually see improvements. You could see certain things occurring at price levels that give you a bit of confidence that you're actually learning something re- relevant. So, you know, at first I could see things, but I certainly couldn't see them in time mm-hmm. and I certainly couldn't capitalize on them. But I had this feeling that I, I was learning something that actually had some reality behind it where I'd spent the three years and that nothing, as I got into discretionary trading, I could see the steps and, and seeing those steps it just gave me the confidence. There was no, at, at that point when I actually started to see actually things, you know, I think this is going to happen there. This is one of these couple of scenarios are going to play out. Once you've seen that, it's, I think it'd be very, very hard to, to give up basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally understand. Um, so what would you say are your greatest weaknesses and strengths as a trader? Um, in terms of strengths, um, I feel I've got a rational approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the basis. I know there's all this stuff about psychology, um, but you know, I think the, the, your baseline is having a rational approach. Uh, I know when I'm wrong, and I mostly get out of that point. So I tend, I tend not to worry about losses. I mean, if, if you talk to my father, he'll say, you know, one of the things that we always get into arguments about, you know, I'd lose a job, come home. Oh, I lost my job today. Dad, the company went bankrupt. He says, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well. Not much you can do. I guess just get another one. He said, "Oh, that's a terrible attitude." But I just I, I don't let things get to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in fact, you know, my my best days are when my first trade is a, is a loser, basically, because mm-hmm. if I get that first trade to lose, I seem to zone in. Um, and the other thing, I don't really care how much the market moves. I really just care about what I can take for it. So I know a lot of traders that kind of see, you know, we've had these fifty point days on the S and P. You know, and that just doesn't bother me. That just, to me, that's just more risk. I'm just really happy to just take smaller chunks. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, in terms of weakness, I can sometimes start the day with a fairly flippant attitude. Um, you know, just sit down. You know, I'm going to trade today, and then I I always get bitten by that, <laughs> and that's why my first trade, being a loser, kind of zones me in. Mm-hmm. So that's a bad habit. And and now and again, I'll let a loser run. Okay, but for me. That's like take. That's like letting it get like three or four ticks offside more than they should. So that, again, that's not really a that's not really a terrible issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you managed money for others? Uh, if so, can you share some good things and bad things about it? No, but I've talked to plenty of people that do, and I just think they don't have much fun. Um, <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I know a guy who was trading like thirty million dollars mm-hmm. of fund money. And he was just having great, great runs, eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a day. Wow! And and then he'd just have a few off days, and they'd be calling him and, you know, what are you doing? What's going wrong? And he's just, uh, you know, I can't. Um, I think the only way you could get that to work is if you literally said, okay, give me the money and see me in twelve months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I think the pressure would get to you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard from other people too. That it's just, it's kind of not worth it, and it's only good if you're young and want to go get it. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, I think if you had like five thousand dollars in your account and you built a good track record, but you know you're looking at years and years to build your account up, it'd be an excellent thing to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, with my situation, you know, I'm not in that. You know, I'm fortunate enough that I, I was very well capitalized. 
and it just didn't seem worth the, the hassle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good point. Uh, who are some of your mentors or trading heroes? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, education in trading. And uh, so basically, you know, I've, I've read a lot of stuff. Um, people that helped me along the way, Jim Dalton, um, who's obviously very well known. There's a guy called Richard Joyson in the UK who kind of does uh, stock trading education. Mm-hmm. A guy in the US called Joel Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy called JP, Jim Pendlebury of JPJ Trading. Cam Dadwar of L2ST. Um, John Grady of No BS Trade Trading. Um, FT71, who's quite famous. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, even more recently, you know, just in the past like six months, a guy called Gary Norden, who's. Uh, wrote a book called an end, end to the ball has kind of shown me some market making techniques mm-hmm. so i've always you know always always looking for you know trying not to affect my trading too negatively by changing it but always looking to learn you know new things from people uh, who are doing you know in a different area from me mm-hmm. oh that's awesome yeah and I'll, I'll create some links in the show notes to those resources so, but uh thanks yeah. for sharing that that's- um can you uh, let's get into your trading methods a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. What what I do is pretty simple, basically. So the first part is to focus on the state of the market. Mm-hmm. So is the market making a move? And are kind of other associated markets supporting that move? So, you know, if the, the S&Ps are moving, is the NASDAQ and the Dow supporting that? Are the, uh, the Treasuries making an opposing move? Is the currency making a move? So... You know, if everything's kind of just waving around, then we're not really doing anything kind of more likely to be range bound. But basically, if, if the markets are making a move, you know, we can see everything moving nicely. I just wait for pullback with poor participation and take continuation trades. And I'll keep doing that and I will keep going with that move. So I never fade moves. Now, I used to. So I used to, I'd see the market go down four points. I'm looking to buy, it moves down another two points, I'm trying to buy again, it moves another three points down, I'm trying to buy again. And I could take three or four shots along on the way down. And then as soon as the market starts moving up, I'm looking for a short. <laughs> and I call that I call that perma fading. And I still meet loads of traders that do this. But basically I go with the move. Now, if I feel things are directionless, then I'll I'll fade the range extremes. And then sometimes you have a combination of the two where you have a trending market that goes into a, a temporary range building volume on the volume profile. Mm-hmm. And in that case, if the overall move is up, then I'll try and buy the bottom of that volume node and scale some off at the top and leave someone for a breakout. Cause I really believe that most of the time, um, markets just carry on. Mm. But anyway, that, that basically, that, that, that kind of, that gives me a trade location. It's that method of analysis, if you like, gives me a trade location. But at any point when I'm taking trade, I always look for confirmation off the order flow before entering. So I use this kind of overall analysis to give me a bias, but it's only when the order flow supports it that I'll get into the market. So, so I might see buyers absorbing the selling in a pullback from an uptrend, you know, a sign that traders are drawing a line in the sand. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like to, then I'll, I'll go long when I see that. Uh, and maybe look for the offers above me to, to start pulling out the way. So the idea is that you get into the market when you have a good chance, of almost immediate pop your way, and then you've got a bit of breathing room in your trade. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I do, which I, I really believe is very important, is I try to avoid entering the market where everyone else does. So things like double tops, uh, old prior swing highs, 
they're areas where a lot of retail trades into the market mm -hmm. and the market tends to get pushed around a lot they're hunting for stops so what i do is I'll, i still take notes of those areas but if i see a reversal of like a double top or yesterday's high i'll use that to change my bias but I, I won't use it to enter the market so i'll just use it to reset my bias and then i'll start looking for for trades you know because you know once that bias is confirmed basically mm -hmm. so that's effectively what i do oh, i see cool Oh, maybe, maybe I should have uh, asked this in the beginning, but what markets do you trade and um, yeah, what markets do you trade primarily? Is it futures? Uh, yeah, it's, I, I trade, it's crack for traders, the E-mini <laughs> S&P e 500, that's the market I trade. Okay. Uh, love, love it or hate it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some amazing stories in the E-minis, just super consistent yeah. trading and that's awesome. Okay. Um. So how did you develop these methods? Was it just kind of like looking at the charts or did you do a lot of back testing or how did it go? Um, I picked up the basics from educators, but I think one of the things you have to accept as a trader is that it's inevitable you'll develop your own style. And mm -hmm. I think people really fight that. I think people are scared of it because um, you're going to hear things that appeal to you and things that, that just don't resonate. Mm -hmm. So unless you're only discussing trading with one single person, it's hard not to adapt your own style. So, you know, once you have some basics down and you finally get to the point when you can see certain things, you just kind of build on that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I can give you an example of a, a concept that just doesn't resonate with me would be a secret price level. So from my perspective, if price levels are secret, there just won't be enough participation at those levels to, to make the market move. So that would be something that wouldn't resonate with me and I couldn't use. Mm -hmm. So the way I look at the market is that most of the most of the trading on the mini S&P is speculation. And I see speculators jumping on moves and perpetuating them. They participate in that market. And I, and I can feel I can see that and I can I feel that it makes sense. And I feel it gives me a opportunity at times to kind of preempt what people are doing. So I think one of the things that you look at as well as kind of, you know, looking at what other people are doing mm -hmm. is kind of looking internally. So a lot of because of this reality, I, I see I see the market as basically people speculating and every tr everybody trying to guess what everybody else is doing. And once the reality of that sinks in, you don't really have to look externally for answers mm -hmm. because you have the answer already because you're looking at other people behaving pretty much like you. So my method is really an extension of that set of beliefs that speculators are just like me. They're acting like me. Mm -hmm. And if I can kind of gauge the participation and where people might be stuck, then I can get into trade that I'm comfortable with. And, and any change I make to my trading in the future would just have to fit in with that framework. Mm -hmm. So anything that kind of falls outside of that, that's based on moon phases or Rick Santelli's tie color, I wouldn't be able to fit in. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of a development process that you go through over time. I see. Yeah, just you just have to put the screen time in and the education time in, right? Absolutely. Um, this might be a little odd question, but generally speaking, what type of personality do you feel would mesh well with your system? Um, well, it's an interesting one because uh, I've met a lot of traders in my time and the most successful one was almost certainly bipolar. So he used to rant, stream and break keyboards. Wow. Now, I, I myself make trade videos and I've had people ask me, you know, how come you're so calm when you're in a trade and it's going against you? And if I told my wife that, she'd laugh at the concept of me even being close to calm. So I don't think there's personality types that are suited to trading, but I think there are absolutely 
personality types that should avoid it like the plague. Mm. So I know one guy who gave up trading after 12 months in a prop shop. This is a guy when he got a place as a professional trader in a prop shop, but he never got off sim trading. Mm. And I honestly think he's just too inquisitive. He'd never ever stopped trying to learn new things mm -hmm. whilst other guys came in after him and after three months they were trading live because they just did what they were told basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and i think we all come with our own demons and i think i think part of the process of becoming a trader is to just kind of accept the short your own shortcomings and try and adjust to them or zone them out when you trade mm. um so for me i'm kind of a bit scatty and i'm not a calm person but when i trade i kind of get into a zone where I make myself calm because if I don't, I'm placing trades all over the place, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely. There's people that should just shouldn't be trading. I, I honestly think some people are just too smart for trading. I think people who try to intellectualize it too much just don't get, don't get very far with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I totally agree with that. I, I had a previous guest where he was a, a high school teacher and he actually did a training experience in his high school class or experiment in his high school class and he said the kids with the best grades were the worst traders and the kids with the worst <laughs> grades were the best traders so i guess that kind of yeah. says something absolutely yeah so so don't don't work hard at school kids <laughs> yeah that's the moral <laughs> of the story right <laughs> yeah my son doesn't listen to this <laughs> oh cool so you've obviously trained quite a few traders in your career. Um, you've talked about some of the bad traits. What are the good or the common traits that you see in successful traders? Um, basically, um, you know, people that people that just uh, are prepared to understand and believe that trading is a skill. Mm -hmm. um, because basically, if someone gets too focused on the minutiae on trying to assign significance to everything that occurs, um, they're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. So there's some people that want to know that they want to know as opposed to traders will get in a trade when it looks about right. So I think it's the people who know or, or believe that trading is a skill and they develop that skill as opposed to the guys who, want to know absolutely if if a then do this and if b do this and piling on rule after rule after rule after rule and trying to mechanical you know make mm -hmm. it a mechanical thing mm -hmm. um those are the guys that don't make it um the guys who can just say that looks about right i'm going to get in i'm going to give it this much breathing room and if it doesn't work out then i'm okay Th those are the guys that, that make it ah interesting okay um can you share a story of one of your most successful students well, we, here's, a, here's a funny thing about what we do. So mm -hmm. I've got to qualify this, that we don't teach people for money at Jigsaw. Mm -hmm. So we, we're in a kind of funny situation where we're a software company, but we're in a niche that most people don't understand. So I ended up uh, spending tons and tons of time on the phone explaining the same things over and over and over again to people. So we've got educational material that's freely available on our website, mm -hmm. Uh, so I didn't have to go through this process. Now, that those material are being used by retail traders, but they're also being used by a number of prop shops hmm. who use the materials as part of their internship program. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, I actually don't know all the people that have taken the course because they don't even have to register to take it. So what I do is we have this course, and then I also spend time with people that are struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that can be a significant amount of time. You know, if somebody's struggling and, they're, and they're, they really have potential, 
um, and they'll and they'll do what they're told. I'll, I'll spend time with them. I'll spend time with them. It, it doesn't kind of kill me to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many of those people are now full-time traders. So I don't really have a particular story of a most successful student um, because I don't have anyone that turned 5000 into a million dollars. <laughs> but I do have people that became full-time traders um, that email me. And, uh, you know, there's, there's reviews on independent review sites where people have credited me with helping them turn the corners to profitability. But my opinion is that those guys did the work mm-hmm. uh, and they got over their demons. And what I gave them was really basically icing on the cake. So people come to me with some level of trading knowledge. So, you know, while some of them come to me and this kind of pushes them over the edge and makes them profitable, I really don't feel I can take the credit for that because they, they put in the work and really they just needed that extra push. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my opinion on it. I don't, I don't think I can take, the credit for saying you know you're profitable because of me mm-hmm. okay cool um so if someone is getting started and they come and talk to you and say you know what's the best way to get started what do you tell them mm-hmm. well it's probably the opposing information that most people teach but basically experience is gained with each trade you take mm-hmm. so prop shops start their interns off making very short-term trades often making just like one ticket trade Mm-hmm. but making lots of trades a day. Now, I wouldn't advise ultra-high volume for a new trader because of the commission structure they have to live with, but certainly the focus should be on short-term trading and building a track record. So with a track record of just four ticks a day on the ES, there's no way you're going to be rich, but you could easily find a prop shop interested in funding you. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that approach is better than swinging for the fences and blowing up a bunch of trading accounts on the way, which kind of seems to be the norm. So... I think people should focus on short-term trading to try and get to, to the point where you're profitable because profitable isn't the destination, unfortunately. It's just the, just one of the steps on the path. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you should be learning about market structure and developing some bigger picture skills so you can take your short-term skills. And as you kind of experience more days and figure out how days play out, you can start to take um, you know, longer term trades, basically. And, and even when I say longer term trades, I'm, t- I'm talking about, you know, longer term day trades where you might be looking like four or five points on the ES, mm-hmm. as opposed to short term trades where you're looking at three or four ticks. Okay, good advice. Cool. Um, what are the top three or four trading or even non trading books that you recommend to traders? Well, the best book I've ever read is called Golf is Not a Game of Perfect by Bob Rotella. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a golf. I don't play golf, right? Mm-hmm. I'm terrible. But this book, it's really a book about psychology and a book about, you know, when you're in a situation, the, you know, the situation before has affected you. Like, and So, you know, you might be on the last hole and, you know, if you, if you get this put, you're going to win, you know, the championship and – there's so much pressure on you to get that put. It's a shot you'd normally take easily mm-hmm. and you fluff the shot. And he also talks about the way, you know, you've had a bad run. How does that affect your next shot? And, and it's really, really relevant to trading. It's the, mo- it's the most brilliant trading book I've ever read. Um, then the books by James Dalton, I think are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be a bit hard to digest and a bit hard to turn into action. But I think it's got a good way of looking at the market. And then the, the last book is a book called Technical Analysis and the Active Trader by Gary Norden, 
which is kind of an anti-technical analysis book. It's exactly the opposite of what you think it's going to be when you pick it up, which I think is a bit unfair of him. Um, but it's a very, very good book. And it kind of, it kind of like, you know, gives you a little bit of a different perspective on what, you know, a lot of the techniques mm-hmm. we, we're taught are supposed to be used by traders and are really mostly used by retail traders and not by professionals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. I've never heard of those books. So again, I'll link to those in the show notes yeah. and, uh, so, uh, well, we're coming up on our time almost, uh, just a couple more questions. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, no worries. So besides your website, obviously, uh, what are some of the other top two or three trading education sites out there that you would recommend? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna upset people by omission here, but I'll let's I'm just gonna stick with people who have educational material on their site. Mm-hmm. So I think the first one is called No No BS Day Trading by John Grady. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an excellent site for short term trading and scalping. And I think the next one with just amazing content and a lot of free content is uh, L2ST, uh, l2st.co.uk by Cam Dadwa. And he's got a really amazing framework for longer-term analysis, but he also does a lot of free educational material on his site as well. So those are the top two. Okay, cool. Awesome. I've never heard of those either, so uh, that's good that I heard about them. Um, So in your daily routine, is there something that you do in the morning that gets you ready for trading or not really? You just kind of go to the office and start trading? No, no, no. I do, I do pre-market prep every day, which it's not. I actually trade in the evenings. Okay. Because I, I, I trade the U.S. markets, but I live in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a pre-market prep every day. That's about four p.m. So I, I sit down, look at the markets, and I basically lay out scenarios that might play out. So I'm ready for them if they occur. And I also post that to a few websites, mostly because knowing that other people will see it, it keeps me from cutting corners. Mm. And, and if I haven't done that prep, I really, I literally can't trade. I literally don't. I feel like my lucky rabbit, fit, my lucky rabbit foot's missing. <laughs> what I like to do after that, I like to then get away from it and I go for a run or I go psyching, just something to clear my head. Mm-hmm. Um, then about 30 minutes before the open, uh, I sit down and I focus. I see if any of the scenarios have already played out. I see if anything significant formed on the volume profile from overnight. I take a look at the news. Then about 15 minutes before the open, put on my headphones with no sound, mm-hmm. just because I like to block out any noise. Um, I focus on the action. I go through this process where I just calm myself down and I get ready to not take any trades. So I'm basically, look, I'm telling myself, I'm telling myself, well, I'm let the market play, play out. Don't feel any pressure to take any trades. And then I tend to take the best opportunities because one of my flaws is basically I'll jump on an opportunity. It's very easy to do if you've got some scalping skills mm-hmm. to kind of see a few things play out, jump on an opportunity, get a few ticks, you know, and then you're, but you're on the wrong side of the market. You could take a few ticks out of it, but then you've missed the trade in the opposite direction that would probably run for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's times, there's, there are times when I just, I don't get into the correct mindset and, and I, I usually get a fairly swift lesson if I'm not in the right mindset. So that, that, that calming down and cooling myself and saying, you're not here. You don't have to take a trade today. You don't have to do anything. Just, just watch it. There's nothing there. Don't take it. That's the most important thing for me. Oh yeah. That's great. I've never heard it put that way, but being prepared not to take trades, I think is a, is a great way to see things. Um, so yeah, thank you again for taking the time out. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? 
Uh, we've got a website, www.jigsawtrading.com. That's all one word. Uh, there's a lot of free education material on there. Um, and a lot of people, so a lot of other people contribute, uh, in, you know, videos and stuff to that site as well. Okay, great. Well, again, I appreciate it and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, you, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Trading Lifestyle Podcast. To listen to all of the other episodes and get free access to Forex trading tools, tutorials, and resources, visit tradingheroes.com.